The silence in Lab 34B is thick, save for the wum 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 of a large axial exhaust fan set behind a grated cover recessed in the far wall and a low, somewhat unnerving, yet melodic humming sound emanating from each of the 30 coffin-shaped pods lining the walkway up to the backboard where Terrence hangs bound, head down with his arms outstretched. A mishmash of wires and tubes protrude from hastily drilled ports along every foot or so of his mangled body. His torso is pinned to the wall by a sturdy, metal-reinforced strap that wraps around his midsection right above the cauterized remains of his lower half. The tubes, glowing with a bright green luminescent liquid, run up above the backboard and into the drop ceiling before winding back down to a port on the left-hand side of each pod. Monitors displaying various measurements flank either side of the backboard, appearing to monitor Terrence's vitals. The momentary silence is broken as he takes in a ragged, shallow breath, which is followed by the cheery beep of a monitor. As you can see, we've moved as quickly as possible to begin applying its DNA to our SV3 program. The results have been beyond our wildest expectations. Suddenly, a monitor on the leftmost side of the backboard chirps disapprovingly as Terence's shoulders sag slightly and his head lulls forward, his mouth falling open. Mr. Rosenthal tisks under his breath and walks over to look at the monitor. Unfortunately, we've had to keep it alive in order to maximize the extraction process, but, as you can see, we've taken many precautions to ensure the safety of our staff. Din, Dr. Cogsbuckle, and Boulder look on in a state of mild shock as Mr. Rosenthal reaches a hand up to the monitor and pushes a button at the bottom right-hand corner. He holds down the button as a capacitor somewhere behind the backboard winds to life. Its pitch starts low at first before rapidly building an octave in intensity before stopping suddenly. A blinking red light flashes on the monitor. I'd suggest you all cover your ears. He jabs the second button on the monitor and the red lights turn green. Nearly instantaneously, a fierce crackle of electricity surges through the thickest bundle of wires attached to Terrence's chest. His broken body begins to shake and jolt violently as his eyelids snap open to reveal panicked, unfocused eyes. Mr. Rosenthal keeps the button depressed as Terrence's body spasms uncontrollably, straining the metal and leather harnesses. The surge of electricity intensifies and intensifies and intensifies as odd, uncontrollable, guttural sounds begin to escape from Terrence's massive, clenched jaws. There, Mr. Rosenthal says, letting go of the button. I think that will do for now. Terrence's body sags against his harness, smoking. He takes two deep, ragged breaths before letting out a pitiful roar. Dr. Coxbuckle, Din, Boulder, you're standing right beside the entrance of the lab. You can see on either side of a central aisle, 15 on each side of these coffin-like pods. Down the center aisle near the back wall, you can see the backboard with Terrence. Terrence is breathing every once in a while. You can tell, you can hear the beep of the monitors, and Mr. Rosenthal is standing beside that monitor, tending to some of the readings on the display. It's about that time you refocus on Ratboy, who slipped in the entrance behind you. Dr. Cogswickle, what do you do? Hmm. Well, Mr. Rosenthal, this is quite the experiment you've got going on here. Yes, we're very proud of it. I, this is the first of its kind. It never in our wildest dreams could we even imagine something like this existed in New Haven. Uh, I, we still don't know where it came from, only that it was found somewhere in the Warrens. Well, do you mind if we, uh, mind if we take a look around, get a feel for the place? As Mr. Rosenthal answers, he gives you an affirmative, but 
Din, as he answers, you hear Rat Boy, who's crouched low in the corner of the room, surveying the scene with wide eyes. You hear him give a quiet, stifled yelp. Uh... He begins moving quickly down the middle aisle. Din, uh, Din's gonna look at the dock and kind of like in his like hand gestures, because he's still doing sign language, he is like viciously pointing and like eyes huge to, to tell Doc to turn around. Dr. Coxbuck, will you turn to see Rat Boy? He is still crouched, but crouch running up the middle aisle and you see his hand going to his waistband. Is he behind me? He's in front of you now. Only a few steps, but in front of you now. I'm going to, like, make a coughing sound. <coughs> he keeps moving. All right, I'm going to start slowly moving behind him. Sort of, like, acting like I'm surveying the uh, room. As he continues to crouch run down the aisle, Dr. Cogsbuckle, as you move forward, as you are fake surveying, but also real surveying the room, you can see pretty clearly the contents of the insides of these pods. You see people from the Warrens and people that you recognize, people that you don't recognize, people that you lost contact with or have helped or, you know, from all your time in the Warrens. And they're floating inside of this, some type of fluid inside the pods. It seems to be up and over and around their mouths and noses. And they have these respirator hoses over their mouth and nose. You can also see that intermingled in this clear liquid that they're suspended in, you can see these tubes running into their bodies that come from the side of the pods that have this green liquid that seems to be coming out of Terrence. Ratboy is about 10 steps ahead of you now and moving quickly. Gonna follow suit, I guess. With your current pace of trying to casually walk up, he is quickly outpacing you and he now has his steam pistol out and he is about 10 steps away from the backboard and Mr. Rosenthal, who has his back turned to you. So at this point, Ratboy has his pistol fully drawn and um, he's beginning to move uh, quickly towards uh, Mr. Rosenthal. As a matter of fact, as he moves towards him, he stands up. It looks like he's about to start sprinting. The exterior of the top 50 floors of the 140-story MGC Tower is dark, save for the faded lighting of the accent works lining several roof outcroppings far below and a smattering of fluorescent lit offices. Of those lit offices, only one corner office of the 124th floor is occupied at this late hour. She reclines back in her wood and leather swivel chair, rocking slightly as she flicks through a data array on her watch. The light from the Marigold Corp branded screensaver emanating from her desktop washes her face in muted greens. She reclines farther backwards before once again hitting the stop on the chair mechanism and rebounding up slightly as she swipes to another data set. The screensaver flits away suddenly as her desktop display once again dissolves into her home screen. Sensing the change, she instinctively glances up from her wad to see a lone, red blip at the rightmost corner of the screen denoting an incoming message. How far away did you say uh, Doc was from him? Doc, at this point, because he Rat Boy's been running and Dr. Right. Coxbuckle's trying not to draw attention, at this point, he's about 20 feet from him. Mm. I'm going to yell. <laughs> what do you say? Do not do that. Momentarily, Rat Boy freezes and crouches, but only momentarily, out of, out of habit. At hearing Dr. Coxbuckle's stern voice, Mr. Rosenthal turns to look at you at Dr. Coxbuckle, and he says... I'm sorry? He was talking to me, actually. Sorry. Um, I was whispering to uh, my colleague here, and, uh, you know, I was just saying the terrible implications that, you know, if, if, if this were to fail and, you know, say if something were to happen to you, 
uh, you know, who would take care of this project, you know, I think we could call it Codename Warwick, you know, who would really uh, be there for all your, uh, your, your employees and your research assistants, uh, you know, or your children, um, you know, who, who would, who would take care of that? Like, have you, have you shared any details with anyone else? Mr. Rosenthal is taken aback a little bit and he goes, I, I don't really have any children, so I don't really understand. Um, and all this time, Ratboy's still crouched, uh, his head down and the steam pistol in hand. He has not moved since you started talking. No, I, I think <clears throat> it's more of a, a, a metaphor of, you know, your your colleagues, you know, your children. This is your your baby, Project Warwick. Uh, you know, w- w- and without you, this project would fail and have no one else. Mr. Rosenthal turns fully towards you now. He's standing some eight feet from Ratboy at this point, uh, who's still crouched. And he looks at you, he says, why do you keep saying Project Warwick? That's not the designation given to this experiment uh so that's actually our project uh within section four it's not the de- the official designation but that's what we're here he says um i really wish you know it makes filing a lot harder i really wish they'd quit giving things different project names uh and he begins to walk away from that directly towards rat boy and rat boy lifts his head up to look up at him can you can you come back and, and explain to me these these coffins uh, looking apparatus? What what are these about? Who who's in the tanks? Who are these people? What, what's going on here? Mr. Rosenthal looks up at you and and he kind of contemplates for a minute. He says, uh, "Yeah, absolutely, certainly, Mr. Kathy. Um, I I think that we maybe start in the middle and work our way down, uh, if that's okay with you." And he begins to walk, and luckily enough, he steps right beside Ratboy, who turns. This is the first time you've seen his face as he turns around, and he has tears streaming down his face as he is racked over and over again with violent sobs, and he levels the gun at Mr. Rosenthal's back. Den, what do you do? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't ask Den what he's doing. This is the conversation <laughs> between Boulder and him. I'm racking ideas over here. Den, what do you do? Ah, dude, I don't... If Din is still, like, I'm assuming, this is only an assume, I'm not going to make a character choice for Cruz. Um, when he was talking, like, we're we're walking kind of towards him, right? And kind of towards where the uh, the pods are. Din will, like, see, seeing all this and walking up kind of thing, Din will attempt to walk in front of the line of sight of Ratboy. Like, basically, if he was going to follow behind Mr. Lowenthal uh, and put his back towards uh, rap boy, basically trying to block his shot. So you move around him and, and kind of behind him and almost usher him, which is <laughs> a weird thing in his own lab, but you almost usher him towards the pods and, and yeah. uh... And as I'm walking I'm gonna, like, with my free... Because I'm, again, still behind him and he's talking so he doesn't really, in my mind, see what's going on. I'm gonna, like, with my free hand, like, one of my free hands, like, do, like, like, waggle my finger behind me kind of thing and basically kind of, like, again then move to a gesture of like almost like a shooing away method you know i don't do that go away kind of thing all right so here's how we're gonna do this and this may or may not be the most important role of this entire (laughs) this entire podcast boulder i need you to roll to seduce or manipulate someone and dr cogswickle and din i need you both to roll to help out oh thank god (laughs) that's a 12 for me boss richie what's the yours (laughs) it's a nine What's mine? It's a four. <laughs> it's a four. Oh, man. 
<laughs> All right, hold on. So let's let's do it with the helps first. So Richie, you got a nine. So on a seven or nine, they can take plus one help. And Dan got a twelve. You can give him two help. So you have a total of three help. Oh my god. That's a seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. So in this game, a uh, six or less is a failure. A seven or nine is a mixed success, and a ten plus is a full success. So just by the skin of his teeth, <laughs> Boulder Cruz as a mixed success, and with a mixed success on a seven or nine, I'll go along with you. But I need some concrete assurance, corroboration, or evidence first. Boulder, you have one more piece of dialogue to try to convince Ratboy of what he should do. Thank you, Dan. I'm gonna walk in front of him, and I'm gonna kneel down and uh, pretend like I'm tying my boot, and in a low voice, I'm gonna go, Ratboy, I know this is horrible, but if you are to do anything here, not only with me, Doc, and Din die, but you could possibly get hurt, and also, you, that will leave the kids, all of the kids, not only just in your cave, but Warwick alone, and Lost Cat and all the kids from the school alone. We will help you get revenge, but right now, it's not the place or the time. And then I'm gonna stand up. Ratboy looks back down, pistol still in hand, and his tiny 10-year-old body racks with sobs. But he doesn't raise the pistol back up. Is Rosenthal turned away? Yeah, at this point, he's walking towards the first row of pods with Din to start giving a tour. He doesn't really understand why uh, Kathy walked past him when he's the one that asked for the tour, <laughs> but, but he was going to start talking to Den. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand on Ratboy's shoulder, like while he's turned away, and just look at him. Just shake my head right now. He doesn't stand up fully, still in a crouch position, but he stands up a little bit, and he kind of shies away and back and moves over towards Terrence. I start walking with him. As you're walking over with him, Boulder, where are you going? I'll uh, go towards Rosenthal and uh, Din, and uh, I'm going to shift my bag uh, around the front of my hip. So you shift your bag around, and you begin to walk in the direction of Mr. Rosenthal and Din, and you pull up to them. You can hear Mr. Rosenthal telling Din the following. So you see here, Denward, what we have, these are a part of our SV3 program. So I'm sure that in your line of work, you're familiar with SV1 and 2 and the problems that come with those. But this, based on the research we've seen from taking the animal's DNA and fusing it with these test subjects, we found that we can achieve a much more stable reaction that is sustained and controllable, most importantly. The abilities exhibited by our SV3 participants, and he sweeps a hand at the pods, are unparalleled and will provide endless amounts of militaristic support all across New Haven and beyond. It's going to kind of do the, the, the head nod, like, uh, oh, yeah, okay, and just kind of slowly shake his head. So, Mr. Rosenthal, um, how do you guarantee that if there's not a sudden surge of, of uh, energy out of this this creature what what's what's your protocol for a safety shutdown uh and containment he looks around and he points over at the backboard beside terrence where dr cogsbuckle is is standing seemingly alone uh looking up at terrence and he says of course there's a safety switch over there that will immediately cut all life support systems to the creature 
while it's also a physical switch controlled by that shutdown, it is also controlled by our building AI. And so we're doubly safe here. And then on top of that, each of these pods are individually controlled and regulated by the building AI as well. So there's no real chance of any danger. As a matter of fact, and it was actually your division leader, Rick, his suggestion as to physically maim the beast so that we would not have any security issues. After the discussion, Din kind of perked up when you said like uh, like life support and safety and all that. Din's gonna walk over to where he pointed where the, like the the safety switches, all the power and like the life support. And Din on his wad is gonna start essentially taking notes and taking down like diameters and essentially mentally try to recreate and take pictures of what the life support is, how it's built, and all the safety features. Uh, roll plus sharp for that. Uh, 13. So with a 13, uh, you get, so basically what you're seeing is a large red safety shutoff mm-hmm. that has wires moving out of it. And you can see specifically, they mainly go into the backs of the monitors around Terrence's backboard. You have a feeling that the safety shutoff that you're looking at specifically is tied strictly to eliminating Terrence if something were to happen. Mm, okay. From the vantage point that you're at, remembering now you're looking the opposite way you were when you came in the room, Yes. you can also see individual safety shutoffs on each of the pods. Gotcha. From the over here, is there any way, I guess sneakily, is there any way to use a low range from his wide like Wi-Fi or like a Bluetooth? to kind of see how the AI is like spidered throughout this. And is there any way not to take control or probe, so to speak, but maybe kind of get like some files or something off of it? Interestingly enough, you do have some type of wide signal here. It's uh, mainly like an emergency style signal. If there were any type of, it's kind of like when your cell phone still has service, but <laughs> doesn't have service at the same time, all you can dial is 911. Right, right, right. So it's similar to that. But other than that, as far as any like inbound, outbound communications, other than emergency communications, you're pretty much cut off down here because it's like, a, like I said, it's at this point, you're about 3000 feet underground. Right. On the tablet, you know, whatever the life support is there like an aux like hdmi or anywhere to plug in uh no but they do run to like some desktop like a desktop wad uh so a dad okay over on <laughs> um <laughs> over on <laughs> mr rosenthal's desk uh dan's gonna just kind of like look around do all that see that it's leading to the desk and like you know casually like walk and like do his inspection nonsense until he gets to the desk okay so while you're doing that and Boulder is interacting with Mr. Rosenthal uh, around a pod. Dr. Cogswell, you're standing there about five feet away from Terrence. As Ratboy, he crouch walks over to Terrence and then stands up and puts a hand up on Terrence's torso. He is sobbing inconsolably at this point and trying to keep it as quiet as he can because above all, he does know how to sneak. What do you do? Ratboy, why don't you follow me? Let's take a walk. He's looking down as he has a hand on Terrence's torso, and he looks back up at you, and he says, I, I can't leave him, Doc. They're, they're torturing him. Listen, <clears throat> what I have done is unforgivable. I understand that. And your feelings towards me are probably very mixed, probably mostly hatred. I understand that. But I can promise you this, we 
we will get our revenge for this. It is the last thing I do. He's looking down now, and you can see tears and big droplets dripping from his eyes down at his feet, and he says, I I don't hate you, Doc, because if I hate you, Doc, then I just lost somebody else too, and I can't do that. I start crying a little bit. You were probably the single most important thing to me. I know I do not express this enough. Probably fairly rude sometimes, but only to make you stronger, to make you a better person. I do feel like I haven't been the best person recently. That's something that I'm going to have to live with. Something I'm going to have to change. But know this. We will get revenge for Terrence. You have to understand that if anything happens down here, that's it. There won't be any revenge. We have to make it out of here unscathed. We have to make it back to the school. We have Warwick, the kids, Lost Cat, students. Everybody's depending on us. We can regroup there, reconvene. We have a solid idea of who the people are and the company that are behind all of this. We will take action when the time comes. I promise you. Your thought is interrupted by a shudder that runs through Terrence's body, and he lets out a long exhale and his head sags to the left as the monitor begins beeping again. The little red blip at the rightmost corner of her desktop display blinks impatiently. She checks the time on her wad, noting the late hour before shifting her weight forward to sit up straight. She plants her feet and rolls the chair forward. She reaches out a finger, pressing on the smooth glass of the display, which vibrates slightly. The blip disappears, only to be immediately replaced by a second annoyance. Yes? Good evening, Mrs. Hawthorne. It is I, Berigold Corp's computerized helper and digital work in it. Rose Hawthorne closes her eyes and massages the bridge of her nose to tease out the splitting headache that appeared in perfect synchronization to the start of this interaction. She sits back in her chair, crossing her left leg over her right. Yes, Chadwick, I know it's you. Your name is on my screen. What is it? Um, right. Of course, ma'am. Chadwick pauses and takes a completely unnecessary, digitized breath. Miss Hawthorne, you had been asked to be informed regarding any anomalies during the course of vein program H9423Z5701SV3, yes? Rose lets out a small sigh of exasperation. Correct. Well, you'll be pleased to know a string of precursors have occurred, which of course I have been closely monitoring. Rose leans forward again, her exasperation evaporating. She narrows her eyes at the display. What kind of precursors exactly? Boulder Mr. Rosenthal turns and looks up at the backboard and he says, oh, not again. And he begins to walk fast back towards Terrence. What do you do, Boulder? I grab his arm. I'm sorry. Let, let go of me. I've got, I have to take care I of this. I think it's had enough. He kind of tries to jerk his arm away and he says, I squeeze tighter. He says, what do you mean enough? This is why we're all here. I know, but isn't your research done enough? No, we have many, many more SV3s to supply. This is this is just the beginning. We have done the calc- Please let go of me. We've done the calculations and we can keep this creature alive for many more months. Is there no way to take it out of pain? You have to have a little bit of compassion for the animal. I thought you would understand this, but the pain is the only thing stimulating the adrenaline that we're harvesting from him. This is- The pain is what makes this all work. And he tries to pull his arm away again. All right, we got to take a beat. 
I can pop shit off or <laughs> Rat Boy can pop shit off. I don't know if we're going to be able to stop him. This is to, this is to Dan and Richie. I, I, no, it's I, either I, I, I put him down or Rat Boy's going to put him down. If, if he watches Terrence go through the shock, it's over. Do I hear do I hear this or is this like something that you hear the beeping for sure but you do not hear Boulder and Mr. Rosenthal's conversation other than when Mr. Rosenthal raised his voice to say let go of me so in my mind what I'm having Din do now is if Terrence stays alive it sucks he's in pain but if there's any chance later on we can come back or get something back I can recreate or have did hopefully on good rolls or however the story wants to progress a life support system enough to where we can either close him up, not necessarily heal him, of course, to full, but at least to where he can still be alive in the story. Yeah. So that's what I'm asking. It's just like, is it, is there any way later on that we come back? It's all up for grabs, man. It's all in how it ends. That's, that's what I'm going to put out to both of you, right? So, Cruz, you can, it's it's kind of one of those things, and Dan, you know, it's kind of one of those things how you can not wrestle Rat Boy, but again, maybe kind of move him or something. But again, I had, like, for me right now through the whole thing of researching and doing all the roles, I have Din wanting to set up, like, a makeshift life support for later on and plans to get him alive. You just gotta let me know, you know what I mean? So out of character, I know that Rat Boy's already resigned to that he's lost. So, I mean, realistically, in character, I want to rip this dude's head off. Well, of course, we all do. But remember what Rat Boy's seeing right now. So Terrence is literally flatlining in front of him right now. That's that's what I'm saying. It's got to be that hard thing for... It's, it's unfortunately, we're having the sick moment with Dan... RPing his ass off with emotions. I'm not going to ask him to do it, of course. But it's kind of one of those things where he's trying to make it right. And now he's, if we go the way I'm saying, I'm not saying we do. Again, this is just an option. He literally will have to force Rat Boy to witness this again and force him to not do anything. Yeah, that's that's my dilemma. <laughs> again, that's, that's all I'm throwing out there. The roles is whatever. What I was doing is whatever. If we want to start... Throwing shells around and killing folk? Hey, no, I'm saying? I got a shotgun for a reason, baby. But if we want to do a complete pacifist route, excluding watching one of our key cast members pass away slash tortured, you know, Din, Richie, player, whatever, I'm down for either. I'm just saying I have my two routes. I can kill stuff or I have the science route slash mechanic route of I can later on do my best to keep him alive and try to save him. All right. I guess time in. Uh, I'm gonna let go of Mr. Rosenthal's arm and follow him and go. Sorry, I've have an issue with animals. I just had a pet dog uh, when I was younger, and you know, it just I had a hard time letting go. It's just it's hard for me and animals sometimes. People, I don't care. For some reason, animals I have a soft spot for. I'm I'm sorry. He straightens his jacket sleeve, and he looks at you consideringly, and he says, "Well, I trust that you'll remember from now on that this is no animal. This is a monster." And he starts walking up the aisle. Oh, Joey, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. I've never audibly heard uh, Joey slap someone without slapping someone. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And uh, as he continues to walk back up the aisle, at this point, Dr. Cogsbuckle, Rat Boy, realizing, you know, in his own 10-year-old mind, there's a delay there, realizing what's happening with Terrence and that he's flatlining in front of him, he begins to panic and hyperventilate. And he looks up at you, tears streaming down his face for some type of solution or direction. What do you do? Rat Boy, I need you to understand. Actually, I'm going to start talking in my other voice since he's coming back up. Rat Boy is standing up, by the way. Uh, so he's visible. Yep. I need you to crouch back down. What you're about to see is going to be very difficult. I can't control what you do next. But all I ask, stay as calm as you can and understand that we will get through this together. He looks back down and crouches. And Mr. Rosenthal walks up to the backboard as the monitor still beeping with Boulder trailing behind and then over by his desk. He presses the button and you hear the capacitor spin up again. Anybody got a move? What does the computer say? Uh, it's screensaver. Uh, didn't flick the mouse. You flick the mouse and it asks for a password. Try password. D- uh, didn't type some password. <laughs> so you type in password. I need you to roll 2d6. <laughs> and hold on. Here's the thing. Yep. If you roll an 11 on the dot, you guess this password. Uh, I liked it better when you gave Cruz and Dan the really important <laughs> roles. Uh, I made him silent for a reason. All right. Yeah, ain't gonna happen, Chief. What'd you roll? I rolled Nate. So you try password, and the computer kind of gives like an angry buzz, but not not a loud one, but an angry buzz. It definitely not heard over the beeping of the flat line on the monitor, and uh, it says three attempts left. Right, of course. My my bad. It's password, but I capitalized the P. <laughs> um, are you going to put it in password with a capital P? Sure. As you do, Mr. Rosenthal lets go of the button as the capacitor wind stops. And being this close to it now, you can start to feel the crackle of electricity in the air. Uh, Dr. Cogsbuckle in Boulder. And he says, uh, I'd take a step back if I were you two. Do you guys step back? Yes. At this point, you're five feet from Terrence, and as he presses the button... I don't like where this is going. The surge of energy that goes through Terrence, it was bad enough from about 50 feet away, but seeing it this close happening to your friend is devastating. Can I say something? Mm-hmm. I look back at Boulder, and then I look down at Ratboy. I look back at Boulder, and I give him a nod. Boulder's gonna put the magnum up to the side. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the nod you're giving, bro. <laughs> it's just like that nod that I give you, like, to be ready. Oh, okay. The, the, the debauchery Tuesday nod. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put a little levity in there. Jesus. This is... I hate little. this! It sucks! <laughs> Boulder, you feel Ratboy uh, bury his face in your pants leg as Terrence lets off these, like, guttural groans that are uncontrolled you know just as air is, is being squeezed out of his lungs from the from the pressure it goes on and on and on and on for an impossibly long amount of time before he finally lets go of the button and right before he does Terrence's eyes snap open as they did before and his pupils are wide and dilated and his eyes are unfocused and he tenses up and then his eyes close again, and he sags down. And then the monitor chirps a happy beep again as Terrence takes a breath. Dr. Cogsbuck, what do you do? 
Well, Mr. Rosenthal, I do appreciate you showing us your science project down here. I'm happy to do it. I This is the future, and, and I'm happy that people are just getting to witness it. You know, we haven't had really any visitors other than strictly necessary personnel since this has been brought in. So we're, we're happy to begin showing off our new tech. Yeah, of course. That, uh, that, yes, we do appreciate that. But I do think it's about time that we take our leave. Got to get back to the office. So I was certainly I was expecting your visit to be longer, but I'm, I'm happy that you came down anyway. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I've never seen something quite like this, and it just made my stomach churn just a little bit, so... Oh, it's a disgusting sight. I completely agree with you. So, I think it's best we get on back, fill out some paperwork, inform the others about the successful production. Please tell your superiors that everything's going as intended, and the briefing will be more than ready for the briefing tomorrow. Of course. All right, boys. Well, I guess it's about time we head on out. Rose half smiles as she watches the video clips loop on her display. As you can see, Matt, there have been several instances of anomalous activity surrounding these three. Rose drums her fingers on the armrest of her office chair as she watches the recording of Kathy, Charles, and Denward interacting with Mr. Rosenthal outside of reception. And how long ago was this? Exactly 18 minutes and 37 seconds ago. Rose crosses her right leg over her left. Bring up the live feed. Certainly, Miss Hawthorne. Please stand by. Chadwick beeps several times as the red blip in the corner of the screen flickers. The large one, Chadwick. What did you say their name was? Rose rubs her right temple with her finger, trying to catch a thought, as the live feed from inside the SV3 lab slides onto the screen. It's Division 4. Special Operations Manager Kathy Flenderman, ma'am. And you verified these personnel with Division 4 personnel records? Chadwick beeps twice, seemingly somewhat annoyed with the question of his thoroughness. Of course, Miss Hawthorne. Rose taps her temple with her finger. Show me your personnel file. Chadwick beeps again as the personnel file for Kathy Flinderman slides into view beside the lab live feed. Rose leans forward, studying the text as it scrolls vertically on the page. Chadwick. Yes, ma'am. Did you notice anything odd about this file? Chadwick beeps several times in rapid succession. No, Miss Hawthorne. Standard personnel dossier. Kathy Flinderman. 23 years service with Division 4. Low-level commendations. Entirely unremarkable. Rose's eyes skim intently across the data displayed on the screen, her focus jumping to the live feed every so often. Chadwick, please pull the archive version of this file dated one year ago. Certainly, Miss Hawthorne, but I can assure you that you won't find... Wait. Chadwick words and beeps again, but this time with significantly more rage. I suspect you found that Kathy Flinderman's file does not exist in our archive. Is that correct, Chadwick? The red blip flashes rapidly. That's... Correct, Miss Hawthorne. I'd also suspect that you've just finally run a facial scan on Mrs. Slenderman. Yes, but foregoing a facial scan is standard procedure for covert personnel operational security. Rose raises a hand, cutting off the end of Chadwick's sentence. The results of the scan, please, Chadwick. Another bout of frenzied beeping and whirring, and then text and images fly across the screen before being replaced by a news article featuring a black and white picture of a coffin draped in Z-Sec paraphernalia. The headline of the article reads, 20-year ZSEC veteran Stephen P. LaGrange killed an undercover operation. Now that's very interesting indeed. Hey, Din, make that password roll for me. Nope, already did. I don't know if anyone else heard me punch the crap out of my desk, but it wasn't (laughs) an 11. What was it, buddy? It was a 6. A 6 is a failure. Yeah, it is. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, Din, roll plus sharp. Oh, almost said a swear word. Uh, <laughs> it's a 13. With a 13, then. As Dr. Cogsbuckle and Boulder talk to Mr. Rosenthal and you see Ratboy crouch, his face buried in Boulder's pant leg, 
Dr. Cogsbuckle says a few words to Mr. Rosenthal, and then he looks over at you and motions for you guys to get going. And you hear him say, I think it's about time we get out of here. And they both turn. Then it's about that time that for the first time in this room, you notice that all of the cameras in this room are focused squarely on Boulder. Mm. Dan's gonna, because he, he took a couple sheets of paper from the uh, receptionist desk because, you know, no one knows sign language anymore. He's gonna write a note on, uh, just on the note that says, uh, ha ha ha, did a security check. Glad your password isn't password. And uh, he slaps it down next to his computer and uh, begins to uh, power walk to the group and begins to, uh, you know, t- tap on his wad like a uh, time kind of thing. And like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the head shake towards the exit and the whole it's like uh, mouthing. We got to go. You know what I mean? As you do that and begin to try to push the three of them towards the door. Mr. Rosenthal still standing by the backboard and Terrence. You're all power walking at this point down the aisle and a sound that you did not hear before begins to emanate from the pods. It sounds like almost like something is spinning up and from the back of the room you hear Mr. Rosenthal muse to himself. What? What is? Why is that turning on? Rose's eyes move to the live feed from the lab where LaGrange turns and with the other two men begins to walk quickly towards the doors. How would you like to proceed, Miss Hawthorne? Rose rests her elbows on either armrest and steeples her fingers under her chin. Seal the lab, Chadwick. The world already believes that Mr. LaGrange is long dead. We might as well do him the service of making that true. Uh, Din's gonna playfully, but like kind of jokingly, like slap Dr. Cogsbuckle and Boulder on the butt and kind of like shove his forearms into both of their backs, kind of getting them to move a little bit quicker. And under his back, he's gonna be like, go, 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 go. As you guys continue to move much faster now, just short of running down the aisle, uh, Boulder, you still have an arm around Rat Boy. Then you take a glance up at the ceiling, noticing that all the cameras in the room are following you guys down the aisle. And you make it to the double doors that are standing closed. Who pushes against them? Well, they were both in front of me, so that's on them. I will. Dr. Cogsbuckle, you put a hand on the door and push it to swing outward because it swung outward last time. And you push it to swing outward. And just as your hand makes contact with the door, you hear the thunking of a lock. And you push on the door and stop for a second and kind of look somewhat sheepishly towards Mr. Rosenthal and then push on it again, only to feel that it is solidly and completely locked as one of the pods on your left hisses to life. 